Welcome to Classroom Success 101 Podcast Show. I'm your host, Josh Roos, the Hardcore Behaviorist, and I'm here to help you overcome those problems you're experiencing every day. You're listening to a master audio class, so put your positive thinking caps on and get ready for another lesson on how to achieve greatness within your classroom. For show notes, make sure you check out our website at hardcorebehaviors.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at Hardcore Behaviors. Also, make sure you check out our Hardcore Behaviors Teacher Pay Teacher Store for our helpful digital downloads. And join our Facebook group, Educators United, to help education continue to thrive during these tough times we are facing when schools are closed throughout the country due to the coronavirus. By joining Educators United, we encourage you to upload free online educational resources to help educate our students from a distance. All right, welcome to another episode of Classroom Success 101. Today, we have a very special guest, Sadie Bradshaw, and she will be talking to us about alternatives to suspension and um, looking at recess and what to do when you're looking at removal of recesses. So, Sadie, um, welcome to the show and uh, introduce yourself. All right. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, I've never done this before, so thank you for giving me uh, this opportunity. Um, No problem. Right now, I live in New Hampshire. Um, I teach in New Hampshire as well. I've been teaching. This is my fourth year now. Um, okay. all in special ed classrooms, mostly running um, behavior-based resource rooms, um, which has been um, what I've discovered to be sort of my passion, which is awesome. Um, and I am on Instagram, and I don't mind sharing that information. Um, it's a little, you might need to, I know you'll tag me and stuff like that, but yeah. um, it's at Ventures underscore um, with Miss B. Um, okay. and then I know that it'll be provided when you tag me and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll have it all, uh, written up there on storyboard and, um, a post as well. So it'll be, everybody will see where they can follow you at. Great. So, um, big topic today. Um, let's start out with alternatives to suspensions. Um, you know, what, what, uh, got you interested in that topic and, you know, what are some things that you're seeing out in the field? Uh, where you're at that are are different um, for um, schools and and are you seeing great stuff come out of that or or what what where, where are you at on that um, topic? Yeah, uh, so I think it's a it's a nationwide issue, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've only worked in the elementary school setting, so I can't speak to middle or high school. But that being said, I think I've um, really been sort of shocked at how frequently elementary age children are being suspended from school. Um, They, you know, kids as young as being kindergarten are being suspended. And I just don't, I really can't fathom why. Um, And I also, I think I've been an extremely strong advocate in this case because I've noticed a significant, um, number of these suspensions are more frequently given to kids who are special ed, um, Mm -hmm. who are from minority groups and underprivileged backgrounds. Um, So that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is a huge, huge problem. Um, 
And especially for these students, particularly the emotionally disturbed kids that I work with, you know, they, yeah, they have some pretty extreme behaviors, but they have them because of a disability. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we, you know, asking someone to suspend a kid because they can't read. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So why are we suspending Mm -hmm. kids who don't know how to behave better? Why are we giving, why are we suspending them? Yeah. Um, You know, I agree with you on that. Uh, I know part of, like here in Texas, there was a new rule that just went, I believe it was like maybe two years ago when I was uh, working more elementary side, you were not allowed to suspend a student um, that was below third grade. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so they, they, they really changed things in the Texas area because, you know, it is, it's, it's like, okay, well, you're going to suspend a student. Um, yeah, you know, uh, what are they, are, are we sending them home? Because most, most elementary kids want to go. Home, exactly. Man. So right. we're reinforcing you're actually them. Like rewarding them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I know, I know what I did a lot was, um, you know, trying to follow that school code of conduct and um, especially when a student is not identified yet, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, the big thing is to school to follow school code of conduct. But I know um, in some of my classes in, in uh, college, I, I, I took a, a positive behavior intervention support class yep. and one of our professors was like, you know, you got to follow the school code of conduct. But, you know, after like two office referrals, it's like start it's, it's time to start doing RTI with them. Right. You know, um, and I think where we get lost is that, um, you know, sometimes and I, and this is where I, I've seen the problem is where you have you have the extreme of principals that don't want to suspend the student. Um, but then it's on the, the flip side is there's no data or they're not really taking data yep. um, to start that referral process. And then you have the ones that are ex- on the extreme of, oh, every little thing they do, let's suspend, 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 suspend. Right. So my always my advice to them is follow school code of conduct. You know, if you have to suspend, you know, I would suspend, but at least you used it. But, you know, know that if it if that suspension did not work the first time, more than likely that consequence <laughs> is not working at all. Right. So, um, you know, I, I know that that is for all administration or whoever's listening, um, you know, big time is make sure you follow school conduct. But, you know, you need to stay, um, you know, within that middle range of after a few office referrals or maybe one or two suspensions, what are we doing next? Um, you know, what's, what's the next piece that we need to look at in order to provide some intervention? Because obviously there's a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think, um, I think a lot of times schools um, are really good at, you know, implementing a consequence, whether that is suspension or something else. But I think we're so used to just doing the same things over and over again. But like you said, if they're not, if it's not working, why are we doing it? So, um, Mm -hmm. and unless we identify staff or RTI models or um, direct instruction, you know, what are we doing? So I think that is a big question that 
administrators and buildings need to kind of develop and figure out because yeah, if, you know, we're doing consequences, but they're not working for certain kids, there is something wrong. And who's going to be responsible for teaching those skills that they're missing? Um, you know, I am a firm believer that kids don't just act bad because they want to. Um, they know what the rules are. They know what the expectations are. Those are drilled into them the minute they get into school. Um, I mm. really think it's because they've not been given more appropriate ways to behave. So it's up to us to teach them. Um, and often, you know, they're not learning if they're suspended. So what, you know, what, what's going on at home? And I think especially in today's time, kids go home and parents work, you know, who's watching the child while they're suspended? Are they, you know, are consequences enforced at home? Or do they just kind of play video games all day? Um, and then, like you said, therefore reinforcing the behavior. So yeah, they're going to keep acting up because then they get to go home and play video games. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and that is a constant um, struggle with what we see. And and, uh, you know, uh, what what grade levels are you work? You're, you're working. Are you working like um, upper elementary or early? Elementary? I'm actually um, K through four. OK, OK. I know um, when I was I was over overseeing a um, pre-K through kinder class, I, my big thing was like, you know, the at that age, nobody's really identified right. yet. Um, so uh, I always, you know, I always went back to my director of special education. It was like, I don't understand why we don't provide more intensive intervention here. Yep. Um, you know, like um, we have students that are doing centers and it's more play-based. Yep. And, but, but the thing with it is, is you do have teachers that are, it's like, this is like crucial time to teach social skills. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yes. And I don't know why there's not, and it, and I can't say this for every school in the nation or worldwide. I just know the schools that I've observed in my career, there, there was just never a, a good curriculum base for social skills. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing was set up on that end. And I, I just feel like, you know, um, and, and now I see it, especially in the secondary, is like these kids are coming to us with either academic gaps or behavior gaps that could have been solved, in my opinion, early on. Right. With more intense intervention. Yep. Um, and I, I just don't I, I don't know if that's a funding issue or, mm. um, you know, the lack of of just n- not knowing what they don't know. Right. Um but it's it, it's a piece that I feel like, especially at the lower, lower elementary, um, those are things that we can provide students, um, you know, and, and, and because my thing with it is, is always, you know, student is going to have to be first be able to behave before learning. Absolutely. Occurs. So, you know, until we until we try to figure that process out, are, are there any things that you all are doing at your school um, that you're starting to see uh, some positives in that type of area? Yeah. So I think um, my school that I'm currently working at is really just now trying to begin the shift of no longer removing recess and no longer um, suspending. Um, It's kind of, I think, historically been kind of what teachers do and what administration does. Um, But I think now that we are kind of getting a better understanding of where these students are coming from. And like you said, the lack of instruction in these areas, I think we're, we're slowly starting to 
move away from those consequences, which I think is great. But I know that um, in some instances, um, it's just natural consequences, you know, like, I know that we have more and more and more intense behaviors arriving at, you know, as young as pre-K in our public schools, and they could be extremely difficult to deal with. Um, And teachers likely feel a lot of pressure, and they've got 20 other kids in the room, and how do they manage Mm -hmm. it? And a lot of times, I think teachers feel the only grasp they have is recess or suspension. But, um, for example, you know, a lot of times we have kids who might um, have a behavioral episode and end up trashing a classroom well you know does it really make sense to remove recess for that reason not in my opinion um you know so we do more natural consequences of okay yep you can go out to recess but first you have to clean up the room and if naturally that takes away five minutes of the recess well then so be it but we're not withholding Mm -hmm. an entire socially um engaging activity from them we are just insinuating a natural consequence of you made a mess now you clean it Um, Mm -hmm. same thing for numerous behaviors, really. Um, if a student refuses to comply with a direction and do their writing work, same kind of, um, framework first, you need to finish this, then you can move on to playtime or first you need to finish this and then you can move on to gym class. Um, so things like that kind of still enforcing the rule, but, you know, to take recess away for not finishing a writing task. It just, it, it really just doesn't make sense. No. And you know, the more and more, uh, you know, my, one of my backgrounds is, uh, I actually got a degree in exercise sports science okay. and, um, you know, I, I've, I've been to plenty of trainings where they, they talk about how students need movement. Yes. That's their, their, their developing, um, you know, their, um, what is their, their gross motor movement skills yep. and their fine motor movement skills. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I know one training I went to is like, she was talking about how most parents will get on this kids with like quick, quick climbing on that, mm-hmm. you know, to, um, you know, stop, get down, you know, you need to sit. And it's like, it's, it's a constant, you know, quit this, quit that, quit this. But what the, the 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 student is is hungry for the body is trying to develop those um gross motor movements and things right. like that that's why there's a lot of push pull um and, and and recess has opportunity for that area and that's one big reason why i'm not uh i'm 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 very against taking recess away is because those kids need that absolutely developmentally uh appropriate for those kids yep um i know i know one big thing that i always looked at as well especially in the pe world is you know i feel like um the pe world also um should be able to um look at that as well and do a a better job in that area i know there's a lot of pe teachers out there that are awesome and very experienced in there and then i know there's some out there that you know, it, it just becomes something that um, that's not very utilized mm-hmm. appropriately. And, um, you know, one thing with it is I bet if there was some research behind um, kids actually getting appropriate exercise and things like that, um, it could I bet you would see increase in uh, academic growth. Um, yeah, it's I like know even just reading books. Right. You know, they, they talk about the, the, the top CEOs in the country 
they comp like they work out right like, like that's part of yeah of maintaining a healthy lifestyle right so, in fact um uh, one of the sort of um i don't know what you want to call it but one of the uh, behavior strategies we are using with a student is actually providing him with an extra PE class. So it's funny that you say that um, he we've noticed per data collection that he performs academically and behaviorally much better on the days that he has PE class at the end of the day. So we said, why don't we set him up for more success? And we provided him an additional day of PE um, in New Hampshire. That is, um, or at least the town I work in, the only required sort of unified arts class that students have to go to. So yes, he is missing another unified arts opportunity. However, um, he's now gained an additional day of PE and um, we just started this. So we'll see, you know, in a few weeks of data collection, whether this has improved his behavior on the second day as well. So I completely agree yeah. with you. I, I think in Texas, they have officially moved to um, PE five days a week. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I know it's, <clears throat> It's starting to get there. I just, um, I, I, I would definitely, and I don't know, maybe there's some PE people out there or some uh, occupational therapists um, that are, you know, big on this topic. But I, I, I can definitely see that any kind of physical movement helps. I know, you know, even going into um, uh, the the whole classroom. Yeah. Um, when you have, I know there's more and more different types of desks being made, yep. different designs. Um, you know, and it's just uh, kids. Kids have a hard time sitting still. Even adults have they a hard should, time right. sitting still. So, uh, you know, I I think there's something to be looked at in that physical area. And definitely I am in agreement with, you know, doing away or taking away recess is probably not the wisest choice that we can do as teachers. Yeah, I would uh, absolutely agree with that. Um, another, uh, I guess, conse consequence. And I think another thing, just as a side point, I think people are so used to thinking that a consequence is a punishment. Um, mm -hmm. it's not right. Like every single action you do has a consequence, whether it be exactly. positive or negative. Um, exactly. so I think we almost need to reframe everyone's thinking. Consequence does not mean you sit in timeout necessarily. A consequence could be that you have, um, you know, you do go out to recess. That is a consequence. It's a consequence of following your schedule and that's what's next. And you go out to recess. So, um, you know, I just, you know, I think it's more than just punishment that we need to be focusing on for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's just trying to figure out, you know, what's more um, reinforcing for those students. Right. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen kids that sometimes recess is not reinforcing at all. Oh, for, for those sure. Kids. So you, can, you can take all the recess right. out you want and it's not going to change anything. Right. So um, it's just one of those things that you got to constantly, you got to know the kid. Um, and you gotta, you gotta understand what works and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's basically like, I always look at trying to work with behavior and do behavior changes and provide intervention. You're like a scientist. Yes. You, you go in and you're, you're testing things out. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you may see changes, you may not see changes. So that's why data is, is, is crucial in the behavior world. Yep. Um, 
And it's um, just one of those things that we got to constantly look at. Right. And um, I think kind of um, going back to other consequences beyond suspension and removal of recess is I think we really need to try to um, implement some more restorative practices. I think there are so many kids out there who just um, are so used to kind of being shamed or having recess taken away and being suspended and the kids, other kids in the school know them as the bad kids. Teachers have these opinions of them as the bad kids. And I think that it's so important anytime there's any sort of behavior, whether it be rather minor or rather significant um, relationships need to be restored, whether that be with peers or with teachers. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I know that for example, Um, Sometimes when there's a behavior incident going on in my room that's loud and can be disruptive to the class next door to us, after the student has regained a sense of stable emotion and behavior, we have that student go to the next door teacher and ask, um, you know, first apologize for the disruption, but then ask if they could use any sort of help with anything um, as a way to sort of mend and repair that relationship. Because I think so many times these huge behaviors happen and we kind of just allow negative thoughts of these students to kind of fester. um, And that's never helpful at all for anybody. Um, So I think kind of allowing students to restore and maintain those good relationships is extremely important for really everybody involved. Yeah, I I agree with that. One of the, one of the things that I always looked at, especially at the secondary level is, um, you know, the teachers sometimes when students go to like ISS yep. teachers don't go down there. I mean, they don't, it's like, you know, you need to show up and, and, and talk to that kid during um, maybe one of your planning times yep. or, or whatnot and, and say, Hey man, you know, I, I, I really need you in my class. Um, even if you're not the one that, you know, wrote the child up, yep. just, you know, make that, five just extra five minutes of going down there to talk to that student and you know I can guarantee you that's going to change that student's attitude about coming to your class because at least you're making the attempt yep um and it's it's one of those things that I don't see teachers do a whole lot of yeah if I was uh you know running or uh, uh head of a school that's one thing that would be a requirement and and uh for ISS is that, you know, that teacher, those teachers need to, um, you know, uh, go down there and, and, and talk to that teacher. Right. And, you know, too many times I've heard the excuse, well, you know, it, it's, it's more of a break for the, the, the teacher. Oh. And it's, it's like, all you're doing is reinforcing bad teacher yep. behavior at this end. Well, that's <laughs> so, the thing too. It's not just about the students, right? It's about teachers no. too. Sure. Yeah. Suspend a kid, yeah. they get out of our hair for a day. Okay. But guess what? The behavior is yeah. just going to continue. <laughs> Exactly. So it's, and that's why I always say it's like, it's like you said at the very get go, okay, well, you know, a student doesn't understand math or, or is having a hard time with subtraction or addition. So, you know, what are we going to do? Suspend the kid? Right. Oh, well, you, you didn't, you didn't add correctly. So right. Write you up, you know? And it sounds ridiculous so. when you frame it that way, but that's literally what's happening. Like, Kids don't know how to behave, so we're suspending them. It's the same thing if we suspended kids for lack of academic skill. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, And I'm not saying there's not times 
that are not appropriate for suspension. I definitely want to be clear yeah. about that. If there's a risk of student self-injury or potentially harming other people in the building, absolutely remove that student from that environment, but make a plan to reintegrate them, make a plan that they, that's going to help them. I think so often mm -hmm. we hand out suspensions and then the kid comes back one or two days later and there's no follow-up, there's no plan. You know, so if we are suspending kids for these really intense behaviors, which, you know, I'm not totally against, there at least needs to be a meeting of some sort, a plan put into place, some sort of follow through. Otherwise, again, we're just going to keep seeing the problems. Yeah. And, and I know recently I was talking to one teacher where she was talking about like intense behavior problems where, um, you know, uh, it, it started getting gang related where. Ugh. The one teacher had, I mean, the one student had uh, an ankle bracelet on during class. And, wow. um, you know, a parent was coming up there with like, there was, she was explaining that there was like 20 or 30 other biker um, people with, with this parent. And um, I'm like, wow. I, I was like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I have, if a student in your class has an ankle bracelet, you know, what, what, what is the parole officer who's all involved was you right was there a plan that you had to be sit down to understand you know if this student does this then yep. you know th this is a, a violation of his probation um you know why why is your principal got 20 20 biker uh people coming into the, or riding into close to the school with one parent that's all upset and angry right without any you know, police officers or anything like that. Right. I'm like, man, that to me, that sounds like a, a huge safety violation. Absolutely. Like, I mean, so there's things that are out there that, you know, and, and I totally get um, where if it's extreme and, and, and things like that, um, that's a different story. But right. I think, you know, where you're, you're more touching base on is the, the, the typical, uh, you know, some of the things that we can control within the, the school. Right. Uh, so, I mean, and, and that's there. It's, it's, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think some schools don't have as much um, resources out there. Absolutely. So I think the struggle is like, <laughs> the struggle is real. It is. It is. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I like, and the, these are things, and, and this is why, like, I, 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 I've enjoyed talking to people on the podcast and, and uh, you know, trying to throw those different types of interventions out there and, and hints and tips. But, I'm, you know, I'm going to be just real with it is, you know, if, if you're not getting a whole lot of intervention and, and there's not a whole lot of things being handled in your school and it's a it, it it starts becoming a safety issue on your side. I would start looking at maybe possibly going to another school or a school district, absolutely, and look at those things. Yep. Because you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot teachers can put in place, but you know, if if the very top of administration is not doing their end, you know, you, you know, it's one of those things that you have no control over. So right, I completely agree. Um, so it's, you know, look at where you're at and, you know, if you feel like it's an intense safety issue and you feel like, I mean, if you feel like you go to work every day and, and you feel like your life is on the line, 
I, I, I would definitely try to find another school district. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, because uh, there's plenty of them out there. And, um, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot that you're going to be able to change from um, trying to change administration um, ideas and things like that. Um, but for the most part, within your classroom, there's there's plenty of intervention, you know, utilize and right. and use um, that that will work and you will start seeing changes um, out there. So, right. Um, I mean. You know, there's there's plenty of that. I know one of the the big topics that we kind of discussed um, with Dan the other day was he was talking about his, uh, um, you know, behavior management systems um, that, you know, that it was more of a struggle if you had an intense student with a severe mental health. Um, oh, my gosh. That brings a whole nother. Know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that. You know, I think every school across the nation is seeing that more and more. I think, you know, we're definitely in some sort of mental health crisis with kids. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually was saying recently to a coworker, um, you know, we can have the best behavior-based program. We can have the best BCBAs in there, the best teachers, the best resources. But if a child is struggling with mental health needs that are not being treated outside of the school, there's only so much we can do. Um, exactly. Mental health brings in an entire different set of yep. its own um, monsters, if you will, um, instead of its own challenges. And, mm-hmm. you know, schools are not always the, the most well-equipped to handle those needs. No. And, and that's one thing I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of teachers out there that are, are struggling with this topic. And, um, you know, I, I, I've dealt with it. I mean, you, like you Absolutely. have that are, are that you put a behavior uh, behavior program within the school setting yep. that it works wonders for. Right. Um, and, and that's the intervention and that's to support those students need. Right. Um, but then you have students in there that um, all of a sudden, I mean, will destroy a classroom constantly. Yep. Um, they'll start seeing things. Um, and, and that's things that are out of our hand as, right. as within the school. Absolutely. But as a school, we have to show that we are providing um, interventions yes. so that we're proving that we are actually trying to provide supports. And Correct. we have to exhaust all our supports before we can go, um, you know, to more of an intense intervention which I know in Texas and what I've been working with is it's more residential treatment facilities. Yeah. And you know, I always say that's not, that's not a punishment. That is a, that's an intervention. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had, you know, a few of those cases now um, where um, we've had to seek out of district placement for students. Um, and primarily mm-hmm. those students do suffer from some sort of mental health um disability or illness to a degree of which public school just doesn't I mean we are not mental health professionals I am not a therapist I'm not a clinician um but like you said I mean the data and intervention list and all this tracking that I had to do to prove that we had tried and exhausted every single possible thing that we could do within our public school limits before 
putting these students in out-of-district placements, I mean, it was unreal. Um, And we never want to send kids out of district, right? I mean, take them away from their peers and their homeschool. That's never what we want to do. But like you said, it's an intervention for some kids that we just, as a public school, cannot provide. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, let's talk a little bit more on this. You know, what are... I mean, some of the clear, clear signs that I've seen where it, it starts becoming more of a, a severe uh, case is where kids are, um, you know, kids are constantly out of the classroom. They're mm-hmm. they're destroying the classroom. But you shouldn't. I mean, I would say maybe on each campus there might be maybe one. Right. Um, you know, it, it shouldn't be a whole a, whole, a, a lot of them. No, it shouldn't uh, be the norm. Yeah, I know out of, you know, our district and we have, I think I want to say maybe close to 3000 kids in our district, there was maybe for the entire district, maybe two or three of them right. um, that was spread out from, you know, pre-K through 12. Right. So, um, I mean, and you'll know it's, it's, it's where students are, um, they're just, they're doing such intense behaviors that violate safety issues. Um, and it's trying to put them in a classroom. It just, it, it's just not working. I right. mean, it doesn't matter. Like you've tried every, you, you put everything in place. You can have a behavior intervention plan, uh, every reinforcement, you know, known, known to put in there. And it's just, it, you're, it's struggling to, to work. So, I mean, they there there are some severe cases out there that um you know that we have to go to the next step but you know like we got to keep the data we have to prove that we are running different interventions um you know i always question when i started questioning it is um how often is a student in the general education setting yeah um you know if if we're if we're not getting any um academic or general education setting time you know, um, and if we're utilizing maybe a self-contained classroom with a yep. special education teacher, how much academic time is actually going on in there or yep. are we dealing with behaviors the entire time? <clears throat> so um, that's kind of where if, you know, that's when we start talking about the severe cases. Those are the things that I've seen over the years. Uh, but for the most part, you know, these behavior programs that are provided um, should um, help out with the, those uh, behaviors that you see. Right. And I, I do think there's some level of, um, you know, a waiting period, right? So there are students that I've known who have had rather intense behaviors and maybe have hurt people. However, after putting an intervention into place for four to six weeks, their behavior does change and their behavior does Mm -hmm. improve. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I do know oftentimes the first time a kid trashes a classroom or the first time a kid um, lashes out aggressively, some opinion is, okay, well, they don't belong here. And that is the saddest thing that I think we can say for our children. They are first and foremost our students and they belong at our Mm -hmm. schools. Let's try mm-hmm. some things before we go that route. And I'm so thankful that legally we'd have to do that before sending a student out of district. Um, mm-hmm. Because sometimes interventions that public schools can offer do work. Um, exactly. And they deserve to be there. Um, so to hear they need to be out of here, they don't belong here is, is really heartbreaking. And I think we definitely need to shift that mindset um, yeah. before we 
automatically assume that a kid needs um, those more intense interventions. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where, you know, that's why it's, it's even with intensive uh, behavior um, um, issues is where you, you at least got to run the intervention for at least, right. you know, six to nine weeks. I Absolutely. Mean, I, I always say it like this, you know, if I want to go lose some weight and get in shape, I'm not just going to go to the gym one time and be right. like, you know, I'm, I'm fit now. Right. <laughs> it's going to take several weeks to Absolutely. see results. So uh, time is one of the things that we have to um, know that we have patience with um, and, you know, to be able to provide those interventions um, within the classroom and, uh, you know, with teachers, you know, I always tell, tell teachers, man, if you, if you are struggling in that area, reach out. I'm, Absolutely. I'm sure there's some behavior teachers, behavior specialists, yep. even school psychologists. That, yeah, they're great um, resources. They are awesome resources and are willing to sit down with you and uh, help you out on that end. Yep. So um, it's there um, and, you know, it's there for um, teachers to, to utilize. Yep, absolutely. So, but, well, um, do you... If you know someone who needs to hear this, share it with them, send them a text message, a DM, an email... Put it on all your social media platforms and tag me at Hardcore Behaviors. Also, keep the five-star reviews coming over on iTunes. It helps teachers find the show so they get an opportunity to make the decision to grow as well.